Our Sunday school classes for grades one through five are learning about Jesus, appearing to some of his disciples after the resurrection. In our story, he prepared breakfast on the beach on the shore of the Sea of Tiberias for a few of them. To celebrate the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we are in the story of breakfast on the beach, we are collecting less perishable tuna and crackers for the hungry. We hope that you will help. Please bring food for your donations to the Greater Park Hill Food Bank container in the Commons through May 13th. Thank you. Good morning. My name is John Hall. I'm on the governing board for Ghost Ranch, which is a Presbyterian-owned and operated conference center for families and adults in northern New Mexico, about six hours south of Denver. And I, I want to thank you for an opportunity to take a moment for mission. And what I'm going to ask for is for your connection on a very personal level to Ghost Ranch. And a friend of mine suggested that I tell a story about connection with the ranch. And I guess the best story that I know is my own. And I have several, but the one I want to just mention to you this morning is that I've been at the ranch and I've held in my hand the fossilized skull for an aquatic dinosaur that was between 200 and 200 million years old. And then I've stepped outside and I've looked up at the sky and I looked at the stars and the galaxies, and now they estimate that there is a trillion, over a trillion galaxies, each with a billion stars. And what I, my takeaway is uh, my awareness of my own insignificance. And what I've come up with, what I came up with was, I am nothing. But then, as I listened to the Spirit of God and to the wind in the high desert. And I realized my connection to the divine and the stars and my connection to the divine of each blade of sparse grass and my connection to the divine in myself and to every creature in the world, including all of you, I've realized I am everything. And so I've learned to live in that paradox of I am nothing, and yet I am everything. So my invitation for you is to likewise explore at Ghost Ranch. We have a, web, a website, ghostranch.org. And again, I want to thank you for the moment this morning. Thank you, John. Thank you, Carson. I'll put my own plug in for Ghost Ranch. If you haven't been there, it's just about six hours away down in New Mexico, uh, one of the most beautiful parts of the world, great opportunities for education, uh, programming. It's a, it's a pretty special place. Clover and uh, Sandy Prouty send their love. They are uh, leading the Faith Leader Retreat. The Faith Leader is a 28-week program, I think it is, that folks, eight people go on. They go... Uh, deep with each other for every Wednesday night, and this is their closing retreat. So they are up, at, uh, up in Silverthorne. And the last thing I have for you is that we have a concert this afternoon. Um, if you like the offertory today, that's a taste of it. Come back to this afternoon uh, at 4 p.m. We'll be back uh, in the sanctuary here. Thank you very much, choir, for your gift to this community, and uh, we hope to see you then. 
So take a moment to find yourself fully present in this space. Sense the presence of God within you and around you as we stand together and sing to God. easy it is to wander from the right path of life, aware of the shadowed valleys that we walk, remembering how we have failed to place our trust in God. How can we not bring our confessions before God? Let us together in one voice say the corporate confession. Loving God. Like a river you flow through our lives, inviting us to trust the mysteries of your current, encouraging us as we stand timidly at the shore, hold us fast when we surrender to your waters. Christ, we pray. Friends, Brothers and sisters, believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. much peace. Let us now share, share that peace with one another. Please greet your neighbor with the peace of God.
everybody. How are you? Good. You good today? Good. What do I have here? Flowers. Flowers. That's right. How pretty is that, huh? It's from the tree outside. Look at that. Who made that? Who made this? God. God made that. Pretty good work, huh? Pretty good work. So, whenever I see beautiful flowers like this, and this time of year, they're just everywhere, aren't they, right, right now? First of all, I say, thank you, God. So it's a, it's a great reminder to say thank you, that God did such good work, made those worlds so beautiful. And then I think, how can I help keep this world so beautiful, right, every time I see it? Because what's today? First of all, what's today? Anybody know? This Earth Day. Good. So what can we do on Earth Day to help? What do you think? We can clean. Yeah, clean things up, right? Don't pollute things. What do you think? Um, we can help trees grow. Perfect. We could plant some trees. Trees are really good. Cooper. We can buy cars that don't use oil. There you go. There you go. That's a very good answer. Yeah. Yes. Water your flowers. Make flowers grow. Fantastic. And when you brush your teeth at night, do you leave the water running the whole time while you brush your teeth? No. When you go to the grocery store, do you forget to leave your bags in the back of the car like I do? Yes. Try not to. We try not to do that. Right? There's things we can do, aren't there, that will, keep, that will help keep this planet so beautiful. And I think that would make God very, very happy. Don't you think? Yeah. Okay. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for making this world so beautiful. Help us to help you keep it that way. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Thank you guys so much for coming up. See you later. Did you? For this? Good job. Let us pray together the prayer for illumination found in your bulletin. May we roll the stones away from the hidden places in our lives, revealing the light, life, and love you have for us. Amen. Our first lesson is John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31, found on page 101 in your New Testament Pew Bible. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As my Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, 
Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Listen to the voice of the Spirit speaking to the church. Thanks be to God.
that to Dvorak. You gotta love it. <laughs> Way to go. Would you pray with me? Loving God, center us in your spirit this morning and open us to your word to us this morning. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So we've taken a bit of a detour uh, post-Easter this year. The week after we had our guest preacher, uh, Patricia Tull, get us started on our eco-theology series. And then last, year, last week was uh, Youth Sunday. They did a great job, didn't they? If you were here for that, it's amazing. So this morning I want to bring us back to the story, back to the, the joy, but also the confusion and the wonderment of that first Easter. The text says that we read that it was the evening of the first day and the, the disciples are huddled in a room. They've locked the door. They're not sure what to do. They're not sure what's going to happen next. It's, it's something Hollywood couldn't have conjured up to be more dramatic. I mean, the whole of the gospel, the, the future of Christianity, everything Jesus taught, everything he stood for, now depends on this small group, this motley crew locked in a room. Some of them had deserted Jesus. Some of them had denied him. Some had watched him die from a distance, at least one up close. Some of them had been to see the empty tomb. One of them saw angels and even Jesus himself. All of them are this mix of emotion, confusion, joy, hope, and fear. Maybe it should give us some comfort when we today worry about our world and we're not so sure what to do about it, to be reminded how fragile things were. And not just that things were fragile, but that God used people then who had, had no more idea what to do than we do today. I mean, that, that alone is amazing. I should probably just sit down now and let's just ponder that. This is, though, my last sermon for three months, so <laughs> we're going to keep going. What I really want to talk about this morning is what Jesus says to them. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And this is what he sends them to do. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And then he breathes the Holy Spirit on them. It's an extraordinary moment. As Jesus seems to bestow upon these rather underwhelming inheritors of the gospel, the authority to act as God's emissaries. Whoever the disciples decide to forgive, then God will do the same. And whoever they decide not to forgive, whoever's sins they retain, then God won't forgive either. But you know, there's something interesting going on in the Greek here. Sandra Schneider is a professor emerita at a Jesuit School of Theology in Berkeley. She points out that the second half of that sentence, in the second half, the word sins isn't actually there in Greek. 
So a more literal translation would read, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. It's the first half. But the second half says, if you retain any, they are retained. So you can see why the translators inserted the word sins there. It seems to imply that. But it's also true that the word that we translate as retain can just as easily mean to hold fast or to embrace. So the sentence could read, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you embrace any, they are embraced. Now it's not so clear that the second part refers to sins at all. It could just mean anyone. And so that the orders of Jesus are first that any of the sins the disciples forgive, they will be forgiven. And any one that they embrace, God will embrace. Very different translation. Interesting, huh? You all are going to be so sorry I ever took that exegesis exam. <laughs> started thinking about these things in their original language. So last Sunday was Youth Sunday, right? Which meant I came to church not as the haloed embodiment of God's grace and wisdom that I do most days, but dwelt among you as a fellow commoner <laughs> without a halo, without a robe. I didn't wear a tie. And it was interesting, I must say. For one thing, I had forgotten how tight the space is between the pews, you know? Right? Up here in first class, there is considerably more legroom. But what I mostly noticed was the energy, being surrounded by people as we sang and prayed the confession and watched the youth. I could feel this connection to others and community in a way that it's not as strong up here. It is today. It's nice to have you guys here, but this isn't usual. And when I think about Jesus' words in his lesson this morning, I don't know whether the same authority that was given to the disciples has been passed down to us, right? Whether those we forgive will be forgiven and those we embrace will be embraced by God. But I do know this. How we treat each other in this place it has a big impact on how we perceive church, first of all, and how we perceive church has a big impact on how we perceive God, right? So in other words, when we are forgiving and embracing of each other in this place, then others feel forgiven and embraced by God more easily. And when we don't, they do not. So in other words, how we treat each other here, it matters. As I stood in the narthex last Sunday before church talking to folks, I met Jim and Suzanne. They had driven up all the way from Castle Rock that morning to visit here for the first time. I mentioned that there were probably one or two churches between there and <laughs> here but they had good, heard good things about this place. They wanted to come and check us out. Once church started, I met Julie passing the peace. She was in the row in front of us. I didn't recognize her. She said, I've been here a couple of times through the years. 
And I wondered as we left church about Julie and Jim and Suzanne and anyone else who might have been visiting that day, did they leave here feeling welcomed? Did they feel embraced by this community? I hope so. You know, one of my learnings from last week was how little influence pastors actually have in shaping the community. It was abundantly clear to me that we can stand up here and, and talk about being welcoming, for example, and that, that matters, that's important. But what really matters is whether or not people are welcome, and that's up to you. A woman came by to see me this week in my office, and I've known her for years. She's not officially a member here. She attends regularly. Years ago, she joined a different faith tradition and still feels uh, called to that theologically, but she's struggling because she said she loves Montview and wants to be here on Sundays. This is where she feels drawn to be. This is a place, it was clear to me, where she feels embraced. Also this week, a longtime Montview member, uh, Mark Musselman, some of you know Mark, he called to say, I just got to tell you this, I was talking to my daughter Lexi on the phone. Now Lexi grew up here at Montview and she's off to college now. And he said, as I'm talking, I can hear you in the background. And she explained that she was watching Montview's service online on Facebook. She said, in fact, she does this regularly, and in fact, she then gets together or calls Emma Heth, another student who, or another uh, young person, a, a, a college student now, and they talk about the services together. I mean, think about that. They could be doing anything. They're college students, right? <laughs> I mean, anything. Sorry, moms and dads. But... <laughs> And they chose to, they, they want to connect with this 100-year-old church around this 2,000-year-old faith of ours. Why is that? My guess is that because this place was a, a place in their lives where they felt deeply embraced. Finally, there are three, three people contacted Clover and me this week, or the last week and a half, to tell us that they're moving. One is retiring to the mountains, and he sat in my office and he said, the hardest thing about leaving Denver is going to be leaving this church. The second is a family that, that's moving back east for a job opportunity. <clears throat> and as I, I watched their daughter sing last week, she was in the youth, and I, I'm watching her and, and I think, I can remember sitting in your living room with your new baby talking about her baptism 14, 15 years ago. They were new, I was new. They, uh, they wrote to us and said, we're excited about this new adventure, but we're equally sad to leave our lives in Colorado and especially the Montview community. We will miss the church, you two, and the friends we've made here. We'll be looking for a similar church home, but are doubtful we'll find it. And then the third is a woman who's moving to be closer to family 
and she's been here about six years. And she wrote, Montview is truly an amazing place, and it gave me the support and the healing I desperately needed. I hope and pray that I can find a church home as supporting and caring as Montview. It will not be easy. I just want to share these. There's such beautiful testimony, I think, to the power in this place to, to connect people and to heal people, to embrace people, to remind us that what we do and how we treat each other here, it matters. And of course, not everyone feels that way about Montview. You know, as I looked around last week, I also thought about all the visitors who have come through through the years, right? And for whatever reason, didn't feel like this was the place for them. And I thought about all the people who, who once attended here, familiar faces to many of us who don't now. Maybe they didn't get connected. Or finally, you know, we were too traditional or too progressive or too something. In fact, I heard last, at last week's listening session after church, one person spoke and said that they felt that Montview was too political. And the very next person stood up and said that Montview was not political enough, you know. <laughs> and that's, that's it. It's so hard to be a community of faith and hold the tensions that we have. I know we can't be all things to all people, of course. And maybe that means we can't make everyone feel embraced. But God, I hope we'll keep trying. It matters. So as I prepare to sail into the sunset here for three months, I'm really, I'm very encouraged by these examples. They say to me that we, we are getting it right sometimes. They say to me that for a lot of people, we are creating a space here where they sense God's presence and they feel God's embrace. And they say to me that I can leave knowing that this church is in good hands because it's in your hands. The center of this church is not up here. It was very clear to me last week where it is. You're the ones with the halos. You are the angels, which just means you are the messengers of God. That's what that means. And so when you show forgiveness, people will know God's forgiveness. And when you embrace people, they will feel God's embrace. And that's a lot of responsibility. I know, especially for folks who were squished in there with so little legroom. But being the bearers of the gospel is a big responsibility. So if it helps, remember the disciples probably felt the same sitting in that room, door locked, not sure what to do. And you know, with God's help, they did all right, too. So, in case I don't get to say it next Sunday when I'm here, 
Thank you for supporting sabbaticals. And I will see you August 1st. And in the meantime, keep up the good work. Amen. those who present themselves for baptism, please come forward. William and Owen, children of the covenant, to receive the sacrament of baptism. Sisters and brothers in Christ, in baptism, God claims us and seals us with water to show that we belong to God, uniting us with Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. God frees us from sin and from death. By water, in the Holy Spirit, we are welcomed into Christ's church. Let us remember with joy our own baptism. Kendrick and Kyle, Miriam and Mark, do you desire that your child be baptized? If so, please say, we do. We do. Relying on God's grace, do you promise to live the Christian faith and to teach that faith to your children? If so, please say, we do. To sponsors, do you promise through prayer and example to support and encourage William and Owen to be faithful Christians? If so, please say, we do. Do we, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture William and Owen by word and deed, with love and prayer, encouraging them to know and follow Christ and to be faithful members of his church? Please answer, we do. We do. Would you please stand as you're able? Let us speak of our faith. In life and in death, we belong to God. Through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit, we trust in the one triune God, whom alone we whom alone we worship and serve. We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. We trust in God, whom Jesus called Abba, Father. We trust in the Holy Spirit, everywhere the giver and renewer of life, believers in every time and place. We rejoice that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Glory be to the Creator, and to the Son, 
and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, throughout history you have nourished and sustained all living things through the gift of water. From the time of creation to your own baptism in the waters of the Jordan to this moment, you invite us into loving relationship with you. And we thank you for the gift of life and for the gift of William and Owen as they're marked with this water, seal them with your covenant of presence and of grace. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon them and upon these waters that this font may be the womb of new birth, giving them the power to do your will and live forever the risen life in Christ Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. What is the Christian name of this child? Owen Bridger. Owen Bridger, I baptize you in the name of God the Creator and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. For you, young man, are a child of God. You always will be. Amen. Yeah. You want to go see Matthew? And what is the Christian name of this child? William Forrest. Hey, buddy. William Forrest, I baptize you in the name of God the Creator and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. You are a child of God. Yeah. You always will be. See what great love God has for us, that we too are called children of God. The names of William Forrest Julian and Owen Bridger Reese are now inscribed in the Book of the Church together with all our names. Let us remember with joy that God is the giver of all life and knows each of us by name. This candle represents the new life in Christ. It's entrusted to you to be kept burning brightly. May William and Owen walk as children of the light, and may God keep the flame of faith alive in them forever. With joy and thanksgiving, we welcome you into Christ's church to share with us this ministry. 
for we are all one in Christ. As I was walking down with Ohm, I told him that he had 17 years to get ready for his senior sermon. So, better get working. As we heard Ian say, no matter if we come in here as hallowed angels, or we come here in the darkest depths of our own despair, God is always waiting for us, and God is always listening to our prayers. Knowing that and having faith in that, let us together as one community go to God in prayer. Imagine if, shepherd, into the bitterness of chaos, you poured pools of living water. Into the cracks of nothingness, you filtered dirt, seeds, nutrients so lush that fields of life might emerge. You carved paths of beauty and wonder for those who bear your name to walk. You gave your rod and staff to prophets, trusting that their words might anoint us with healing. Yet we only found comfort in seductions all too false promises. So in the presence of these enemies, we did not recognize that you sent Jesus to be that grace and hope which we needed, even if we didn't want them. With those assembled in this place and time and those whose love is shown in their actions, we gather as your people. You are holy yet compassionate, God of our hearts, and your good shepherd Jesus comes to save us. When we would wander in the deserts of sin, he leads us 
to green pastures of grace. When we turn down the wrong road towards foolishness, he takes our hand to show us the right path. When we are tossed about by life, he brings us to the still waters of your gentleness. Walking through the darkest valley, he surrendered to the cold embrace of death until you brought him out of the grave, anointing him with the oil of resurrection. And as we would join goodness and mercy in following the Good Shepherd all the days of our lives, we celebrate the mystery we call faith. We celebrate this mystery as a community called together. Through life's struggles and trials, we found each other. Within these walls, we are able to call this church home. God, you have prepared the house. You have set the table before us. You have welcomed us into this home. May you be our healing and strength so that we walk the shadows of our world, leading our brothers and sisters down the paths of healing and hope. May we bring comfort to the lonely, fill the hunger with nourishing food, showering them with goodness and mercy, and building homes for those who have none. And when there are no more shadows around us, when your rod of reconciliation and your staff of salvation gather us around the home prepared for us in eternity, we will join from every time and place, singing your praises with glad voices, God and community, holy in one. Until that time, let our earthly voices be pleasing unto your ears. Let our prayers ring rightly to you. Let our whispers be as shouts. And with the voice you have given us, let us together say the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Divine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God has given us so much. Let us now give back a portion of what we have received in today's offering. May the ushers please come forward.
Let us together say the prayer dedication printed in your bulletin. God, you have so loved, greatly loved us, long sought us, mercifully redeemed us. Give us grace that in everything we may yield ourselves, our wills, our works, and continue all thank offering to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Take the embrace of this time together. Take God's embrace, the embrace of this community of love, and take it out into the world. Embrace the world. And as you go, go forth in peace and be of good cheer. Render unto no one evil for evil. Support the weak. Lift the fallen. Heal the sick and raise the dead. For the grace of God is all around us.